International Baptist College is a dynamic ministry of Tri-City Baptist Church in Chandler. IBC offers three Bachelor of Arts degrees and four graduate degrees. The professors at IBC desire to teach students how to think, live, and lead from a conservative biblical worldview. Whether you are pursuing a degree or laying a biblical foundation for your life, IBC will mentor you into ministry. Please check out our website at ibconline.edu or call 1-800-IBC-4858 for more information. Cyrus, who's the king of the Persians, is now saying, I'm going to send everybody back home. But he's going to send them back home. And he says, he says that God has commissioned him to build a temple for God in Jerusalem. A pagan king building a temple for God in in Jerusalem, by the way, which Isaiah prophesied almost 150 years before, prophesied him by name. I can't get into all that. I have so much to preach today. Celeste Montague. Welcome to Dare to Stand, a radio ministry of Northwest Valley Baptist Church in Glendale, Arizona, featuring the teaching of senior pastor Dr. Kevin Shaw. Dare to Stand is on the radio to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to all who will listen, to carefully teach the truth of God's Word, and to encourage a healthy lifestyle of worshiping and honoring God. For more details about Dare to Stand or the ministry of Northwest Valley Baptist Church, please visit www.daretostand.org or call the church at 623-581-3115. You can receive a free MP3 copy of today's message or the entire series in MP3 format for a small fee by contacting the church. Well, last time on the program, Dr. Shaw was talking about how King Cyrus of Persia sent the exiles from Judah home to rebuild their temple, and he even funded their efforts. Today, we pick up the account in Ezra chapter 2 with a message titled, Faith Promise and Ezra, as we continue a study in the book of Ezra. Let's listen. Here's Dr. Shaw to read to us from Ezra chapter 2. We're we'll opening our Bibles to the book of Ezra chapter 2, Ezra chapter 2, Ezra chapter 2 beginning in verse 1. Now these are the children of the province that went up out of the captivity of those which had been carried away whom Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon had carried away unto Babylon and came again unto Jerusalem and, Judea, and Judah every one unto his city which came with Zerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Sariah, Raleigh, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mizpar. Did you see all these names? By the way, this is an entire chapter of names I get to preach today. I'm not going to read them all. But I'll explain to you why they're here. Because it has an impact on what's going on. Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. Bless the preaching of your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. What we have going on in Ezra chapter 2 is they've been given a commission. King Cyrus, I mean, the children of Israel have been in captivity for 70 years. The nation of Israel was conquered. The city of Jerusalem was destroyed. 
the, the final fall of Jerusalem happened in um, 586 B.C., but from 605 to 586, there were, there were waves of the, the Babylonians coming in and taking people captive. This is where Daniel, and you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, that's their Hebrew names. Um, and so that they were taken captive along with many others. Esther is living in the captivity. That'll be a little bit later. And so you have all the children of Israel living in captivity in Babylon, far away from their home. Now, this was common in the ancient times. Conquering nations would come in and take the best and brightest, all of the leadership of a nation, and they would move them around. And typically what the Babylonians might do is they might take people from Egypt and move them to Palestine and take people from Palestine and move them to uh, um, Babylon. And they'd move them all around. And you say, well, why did they do that? They did that so that it could maintain control. Because if you divide people from one another, they cannot unite and rebel. So it was a per- part of the purpose was to maintain control. And that's what they had done. And so now, 70 years later, the Babylonians have been conquered by the Persians, and as they're conquering the, by the Persians, Cyrus, who's the king of the Persians, is now saying, I'm going to send everybody back home. Now, th- there's a strategic thing to this. It's a way of dividing them again after 70 years. But he's going to send them back home. And he says, and, I, and I, this is correct, the passage says this. He says that God has commissioned him to build a temple for God in Jerusalem, a pagan king building a temple for God in Jerusalem, by the way, which Isaiah prophesied almost 150 years before, prophesied him by name. I can't get into all that. I have so much to preach today. And so now there's a group of people. So he says, go build the temple. Here's all your stuff that belongs in the temple. Here's the plates and the, you know, you know, and all the utensils and all of the stuff that were taken from the temple 70 years ago. Here's all the stuff. Here's it back. Go build the temple. Okay. We, we all live here. We have jobs here. Um, it's, you know, a thousand miles away. Um, they're enemy, enemy people living where we used to live. So when we go back and we try to take back our homes and all of those kinds of things, there are other, there are other people there now. And uh, the city of Jerusalem is in ruins. So how are you going to do that? You know what they have to do? They have to organize. You have to come up with a plan. You have to figure out who's going to go. And you're going to have to figure out what people you need on the team to go. And then you have to figure out how to finance that team. Now Cyrus said, hey, and if there are some of you that aren't going, you ought to be paying. That's what he says. By the way, doesn't this sound kind of like missions? By the way, if you are new with us this morning, I'm going to talk about how we give to missions. I, my, my goal in this message is not to gin up people's giving. Okay, we don't, I don't preach a lot about giving here. I'll preach it unapologetically when the Bible deals with it. Preach, preaching through um, passages of Scripture, and as the Bible deals it with it and deals with finances, we'll deal with it. I am not doing this to try to gin up giving. We're just doing this to explain why we do missions giving the way that we do. And hopefully that explanation combined with the leading of the Holy Spirit in your heart will accomplish great things. Um, I don't have to do much encouraging to give this congregation, to encourage this congregation to give. We have our, I think we're almost at our highest missions giving ever at this point. I think we have four or five more Sundays yet in our missions giving year. So this, you folks have done amazing. Um, 
and, I, and, and it's and so I don't really have to encourage that. It's just we have a lot of new folks that I think it'd be helpful for you to, for you to understand how we do missions giving, and, we'll ex, and I'll explain this, um, and I'll explain it from some principles of this passage of Scripture and some other passages of Scripture. The idea here simply is you have to get, get with the program. Let me tell you the story of William Carey. William Carey, uh, we'll call him the father of modern... Now, after Mike Reddick preached last week, the father of modern Baptist missions, okay? Um, the Moravians certainly were doing missions prior to it, but William Carey uh, developed a system, an organized system of accomplishing the task. You see, just like Cyrus telling the children of Israel, go back and build the temple, Jesus told the disciples, 12 people, 12 men, he tells them uh, at, at the, the time where he's, where he's ascending to heaven, he says, go you therefore and teach all nations. Here's what he says to 12 people. Go evangelize the world. Sure, Jesus, no problem. We'll just go share the gospel with the whole world. Piece of cake. (laughs) Yikes. Talk about a daunting task. You're listening to Dare to Stand with Dr. Kevin Shaw as we study the book of Ezra and bring you part one of a message titled, Faith, Promise, and Ezra, as we read how God was moving his people out of captivity and back on mission in the book of Ezra. Dare to Stand is a radio outreach of Northwest Valley Baptist Church. Please visit daretostand.org for more details about Dr. Shaw's church or this radio ministry. Here's Dr. Shaw to talk about an addiction recovery ministry going on at his church, Northwest. It's called Freedom That Lasts. Hello, this is Kevin Shaw. Are you or someone you know dealing with the agony of an addiction? You cannot change what you do until you let God change who you are. Freedom That Lasts is a discipleship ministry of Northwest Valley Baptist Church that applies the life-transforming principles of the gospel and Christian growth to the problems of life-dominating sins and addictions. All of this happens in an atmosphere of love and accountability. If you would like to know more information about this important ministry, give us a call at 623-581-3115 or visit our website at daretostand.org. Go to the homepage and click the Discipleship Connections button. Thank you, Dr. Shaw. Please contact Northwest Valley Baptist Church at 623-581-3115 for more details about the addiction recovery ministry called Freedom That Lasts. And now, let's get back to Dr. Shaw as we hear more about accomplishing impossible huge things for God. Here's our teacher. Have you ever had somebody give you a job that seems overwhelmingly impossible? William Carey was born in 1761. He lived in 1834. He was born in Northamptonshire, England. He was led to Christ by a co-worker by the name of John War. Imagine that. Here's this guy who leads a co-worker to the Lord. That fellow that he leads to the Lord becomes a great missionary and the founder of what we understand as modern Baptist missions, especially the way that we're doing missions, which has changed the world. One guy witnessing to one person. Think about that for a moment and the potential of impact. Um, William Carey was not a nobleman. He was not, he was not like... Uh, um, the Moravian leadership. He was born in a poor family, poor health. 
He had a poor man's trade. He was a cobbler. By the way, you folks know what a cobbler is? He made shoes. Now, that was an important job in that day, but that he was a cobbler. He was poorly educated for, for ministry. He was, by his own admission and, and by people that will tell you in the day, he was a poor speaker. He was not very eloquent. He did happen to be fairly intelligent, and we'll find that out later. He had especially a gift for languages and learning languages and knowing languages. He rejected ordination at first. He said, I can't possibly call to ministry. God couldn't be calling somebody like me. But he eventually became a Baptist pastor in England. They, those, the Baptist pastors in that day would gather together and they would encourage one another. You remember understanding this is the beginning of the Baptist movement in England. It was in response to the Roman Catholicism fighting with the Church of England and they were in conflict to one, with one another. And so you had, you had the Catholics and you had the, the Protestants and then you had the people within the Protestant church that called themselves the Puritans, which were trying to purify the Protestant church because the Church of England was really more like just an alternative Catholic church with the same types of doctrines. So there were people within that church trying to transform that, those doctrines to be more in line with the, the true gospel of the Reformation. And so some were trying to change it from within and some were pulling out and saying, you can't change something that is corrupt. The Baptists were among the separatists who said, we need to start new churches that can start fresh with a clean slate and, and go back to what the Bible says and preach the pure gospel of Scripture and run churches in the pure way that Scripture teaches they should be run. And so he was part of that movement. But as he was reading Scripture, he became challenged, and especially reading church history, he became challenged with the, the overwhelming burden of the Great Commission. He challenged Baptists in England to evangelize the world and founded what we see as the modern missionary movement. Now, again, that doesn't mean to discount what the Moravians did. They did some amazing things, but, but, but the fire of the missionary movement spread out from what William Carey did. He served as a missionary in India for 40 years. By the way, that was when traveling to other parts of the the world, uh, you isolated yourself completely. It was months just to get the mail back and forth. He produced translations. By the way, he taught himself Sanskrit and Bengali, taught himself those languages, which which are languages that are based on a completely different schemes and alphabets and everything from English. He produced translations of the Bible in both Bengali and Sanskrit. He's credited for ending infant sacrifice in India and the sati in India. But there were... He preached two world-changing sermons. There's one sermon entitled, Expect Great Things from God... Attempt great things for God from Isaiah 52, 2 and 3. And of course, that was for him to leave England and travel around the world to India to be a missionary where nobody really had thought about doing missionary work like he was doing it. Nobody ever ever really thought about doing that. That was an amazing thing. That was to attempt something great for God. It was to step out on faith. He didn't have missionary funding like we have today. Got on a ship, goes to India, tries to start a business in India in order to fund missionary work in India. He got involved in the indigo dye trade in order to fund missions. Eventually, a transforming work in India. But before he went, he tried to challenge other pastors. And he wrote a paper. He had 
been burdened about the importance of taking the gospel to the to the to the world but you say well why wasn't missionary work going on well that's because people didn't have the vision for it they'd lost the vision for missionary work he wrote a paper here's the t- the title of the paper by the way if you know you know you like short pithy titles in order to get people's attention Here's the title of the paper that he wrote, An Inquiry into the Obligations of Christians to Use Means for the Conversion of the Heathens in Which the Religious State of Different Nations of the World, Success of Former Undertakings, and the Practicability of Further Undertakings are Considered. I'm sorry for those people translating. If, for those of you translating, it was just a really long convoluted title. Here's, here's the point of that. The point of this is saying we have a commission. We are obligated, according to the scripture, to figure out how to do it. Now, he was facing some objections because the Baptists, folks, the Baptists of his day gave him a hard time. Now, here's what they said. The Great Commission is no longer binding. That's, that was for the first century. That's not for us today. Isn't it interesting how we do that a lot of times as Christians? That was for them, not for us. And so that's what they were saying. The Great Commission, is, it's no longer binding. We don't have to take the gospel. Others said the Great Commission is impossible, therefore it's no longer binding. We can't possibly do it. Can I, can I just remind you of something? Jesus doesn't tell us to do things he doesn't expect us to do. He doesn't tell us to do things. He doesn't give us the resources to do. Now, we understand the, the process of taking the, great, the gospel, this great message of the fact that Jesus died on a cross and was buried and rose again the third day and that he paid the price completely for my sins and that my salvation is not dependent upon my connection to a church. That's, the, that's one of the differences. That was part of the Great Commission. Or that was, excuse me, that was part of the Reformation. The difference between salvation being church-determined and salvation about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ by faith alone. You must be born again. Have you been born again? If you've not been born again, you're not a Christian. I'd love to tell you about that. Listen to the testimonies that you hear a little bit later. Some said the Great Commission is not yet a divine expectation. It's for the kingdom. It's for the future. Isn't it amazing how we explain away things that we don't think we can do or we don't really want to do? Some said the Great Commission is more local than worldwide. Well, of course it's local. You're someplace. Wherever you are, you have to do it. Right? But... Jesus didn't say, go ye therefore and teach Jerusalem. Right? In fact, he said very specifically, because it would have been very easy for people to think that it's just local, go ye therefore, he says, and teach all nations. And just in case you didn't quite get that, he says as he's ascending, just as he's ready to ascend to heaven, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Go. Go. The Great Commission says, go. I am glad for everyone that people bring to church with them. 
Okay, I rejoice in the fact that if you're new with us here this morning, you, you are near, new with us. However, the Great Commission doesn't say come, it says go. Now, that doesn't mean I'm telling you all to leave. <laughs> what it means is I'm telling you that if we're going to reach the world, we've got to go to them. Our job is not to wait for them to come to us, which is what they were doing. And is what a lot of Christians are doing today. He then, in his paper, it was an interesting thing. He said, and just in case you didn't think, you don't think that this is what the disciples got, that they're supposed to take the, the gospel to the ends of the earth. He went through the list. The Apostle Paul took the gospel to Asia Minor, Rome, and Spain. According to church tradition, Andrew, the Apostle Andrew, took the gospel to the Scythians and north to what is present-day Kiev in Ukraine. Wow, we've heard about Kiev in the news these days over in what is now Ukraine. Stay tuned. Dr. Shaw will be back with a little more on which apostle ended up evangelizing which parts of the world in a moment. You're listening to Dare to Stand, a radio ministry outreach of Northwest Valley Baptist Church in Glendale, Arizona, where our teacher, Dr. Kevin Shaw, serves as senior pastor. Northwest Valley Baptist Church is located at 4030 West Yorkshire Drive in Glendale. That's just south of the 101 at 40th Avenue. Sunday worship service is at 9.30 a.m. Adult Bible studies and Sunday school for all ages are at 11 a.m. And Sunday evening service is at 6 p.m. Child care is provided for all services. Wednesday evening activities include prayer meetings, children's and teens programs. Northwest Valley Baptist Church also offers a quality traditional Christian education for your children, grades K through 12, at Arrowhead Christian Academy, located right on the church property at 40th Avenue and Yorkshire Drive. For more details about the church, kids' programs, this radio broadcast, or to register your kids for Arrowhead Christian Academy, please visit www.daretostand.org or call 623-581-3115. If you enjoy listening to Dare to Stand Radio, please consider supporting this program with a tax-deductible donation of any amount. Visit daretostand.org and follow the link to the church website, where you can also download free copies of Pastor Shaw's sermons. Call us at Northwest and let us minister to you personally in any way we can. Call 623 623- 581-3115 today. Remember, you can listen to Dare to Stand on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. right here on this same radio station. And you are always welcome to visit Northwest Valley Baptist Church in person for Sunday morning services at 9.30 a.m. and Sunday evening teaching and discipleship at 6 p.m. And I'm Celeste Montague, encouraging you to tune in next time as we continue our study in the book of Ezra. Now, here's Dr. Shaw with some closing thoughts about which apostles ended up sharing the gospel in certain parts of the world, an amazing and supernatural task that could only be accomplished by God and His plan. Do join us next time for more, right here on Dare to Stand. 
Paul, of course, Asia Minor, Rome, Spain. Uh, John, possibly to India. And, uh, by the way, his life ended at Patmos. Um, let's see. Uh, Bartholomew, um, Phrygia, Armenia, India, as far as the, the Ganges. Um, <clears throat> Thomas, uh, to India, probably the coast of modern-day Sri Lanka. Simon, the zealot, to Egypt, Libya, Spain, France, and as potentially as far as Great Britain. In the first century, with the first initial group of disciples, if, the, if it were today, they would have covered the geography inhabited by roughly 30% of the population of the planet. In the first generation of believers. You don't believe they took it seriously? And, and you know what they just did? They just believed. Okay, go. We're going to go. And they went. They went. 